So let's get back to, to Romans 12. Let's start looking at what it means to build up and not break down. And over the last 13 weeks, this, this sermon series kind of takes on its own persona. And I started thinking about it, and this word embrace started coming to me. And so I started putting this series together in a book, and I called that book Embrace. And this week is Foolishness and Wisdom. When we embrace foolishness, it tears down relationships. But when we embrace wisdom, it builds relationships and connects us to God. Foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, open your Bibles. And if you don't, please bring them. I want us to be in the Word so we can mark it, so we can come back to it later. We're going to start here in Romans 12, verse 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And then it says, never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. It could say it is foolish to lean into your own understanding. Leaning into your own understanding, it is denying our need for God. It's saying that I want to be in control. I want to do what I want to do. I want, I want, I want. I sound like a five-year-old kid. Honestly, I sound like most adults, including myself. None of us have really given up our childish ways. And if we think we have, then probably we are prideful and wise in our own sight. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And you may say, doesn't that contradict Matthew 18.2-4, which basically says that we should have the faith like a child? No. We should have childlike faith and not childish faith. Childlike faith resonates with and embraces the neediness and dependency and smallness of those who understand their place in the kingdom of God. Childish faith is simply refusing to grow up. Foolishness is refusing to grow up. But in the same sense, how foolish would it be if the Creator of the universe is our Dad and we don't surrender to Him in everything that we do? We are not to be wise in ourselves, but wise in the Lord. And being wise in the Lord leads us to this next verse. Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. Give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. How do we give thought to what is honorable if we do not know what is honorable? And the only way to know what is honorable, to be in His Word, to be in the Bible... This is the greatest source of wisdom that we have. And we have access it to right at the tip of our fingers every day. And so I want you to turn in it to James chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 13. And James, he gives us an understanding of wisdom and where it comes from. It says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By His good conduct, let Him show His work in the meekness of wisdom. This word meekness in the Greek is praites. As dudes, we never want to be known as meek. 
We think it means that we're a pansy or that we're not tough and and rugged, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's a word that describes the bit that goes into a horse's mouth. A huge stallion. Now every guy wants to be known as a stallion. But a stallion is worthless if it's not under control. If it's not trained and being directed by its master. I would even say that a stallion is a fool. It's like a fool leaning in its own instinctual desires. But yet it wins wars. It helps to plant fields. It moves massive cattle herds when its power is under control. As men, we have so much power. I read a survey the other day that said that when a child in the family is the first one to come to Christ, that 3.5% of the time, the entire family comes to Christ. And when the mother, the woman in the family, comes to Christ, it's only 17% of the time that the entire family comes to Jesus. But when a man, when the father comes to Christ, when he's the first one to give his life to Christ, the number is 93% of the time the entire family does. That's massive. That's huge. Men, when our power is controlled by God, it changes the world. Wisdom is power under God's control. And so the question for us today is, are we foolish or are we wise? What is foolish? Verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Some of us hide who we are. We act like we're leaning into God, but internally we really only care about our own selfish desires. Often I see people and and God is just a means to a better life. He's not the love of our lives. As a church, we need to be honest about who we are. As a church, we have so much to offer this world around us. But we have to be honest. We also don't have to get so caught up in everything because we have Jesus as our identity. Our self-worth is Jesus. Do you hold on to that? I mean, if Jesus loves me, who cares what somebody else thinks of me? As long as I'm not being a jerk, as long as I'm acting like Jesus, as long as Jesus is flowing out of me, I can hold on to that. Jesus is the one that brings order to the chaos. Jesus is order. The world is opposite. James 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Our goal as a church is to be different. Our goal is to be honest. But we always do it in a way that honors Jesus. And James, he's laying out what it looks like to have wisdom in God and not the foolishness of men. Verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Highlight these verses in your Bible. 
Hold on to these verses. Let them do something in you as we're transformed by God's Word. As we let Jesus transform us. We should want to be pure and not devious. We should want to be peaceable and not cause conflict. We should want to be gentle and not quick-tempered to and harsh. We should want to be open to reason and not go through life simple and oblivious. We should want to be full of God's mercy and not our own understanding. We should want to produce good fruits and not bad fruits. We should want to be impartial and not prejudiced. We should want to be sincere and not a liar. And so turn with me to, to Proverbs 14. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together today. And this is Solomon's writing. Solomon in his great wisdom, which is actually only God's wisdom because any man that has 700 wives and 300 concubines is not wise. We know that Proverbs was really written by God. And this is what he tells us about foolishness and wisdom. Number one, we want to be pure. Solomon, he's giving instruction to his son. And one of the things that he wants to share to him is to pick the right woman. But I believe that we can all learn something from these texts. Proverbs 14.1 The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. A wise wife is one that cares for the affairs of her family. She is considerate of her husband. She is loving to her kids. She's not building a house with sticks. She's building the house with a dependence on God that flows purely out to her family. She fears God. And a foolish woman is the opposite. She does not fear God. She indulges in only herself. She is indifferent about her family. And when she acts foolishly, the entire family feels it. I've seen so many children suffer because of the foolishness of their parents. Now let's be honest, all of us have done foolish things and it's a wonder that we are all not more messed up than we really are. Including the kids that just went downstairs. But there's grace. And there's Jesus. And when we are wise in Jesus, we can see this purity. And we have to understand that the only wise way is to let Jesus be the carpenter of our house. And grace and forgiveness are the one of the many materials that God uses. Thank God for grace and forgiveness. Hold on to that this week. Verse 2, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Uprightness is a condition of being honest or honorable. Whoever walks in honor fears the Lord, and only the Lord can do this. Uprightness is standing tall. It's having nothing to hide. Devious is being dishonest or dishonorable. If you are devious, you are underhanded. You do things behind the back of others. And you can only do this for so long. It breaks down every relationship. It is a foolish way to live out life. And you might say, I really don't do that. But every time that we gossip, we open up the doors to be devious. And so what's gossip? Verse 3, by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Our words destroy relationships. 
Our words can get us in trouble. Every word that we say needs to be ran through this filter that is Jesus. But we should all know that that filter that is Jesus is not so-and-so down the street really could use our prayers when we're not willing to lend a helping hand. We all know what gossip is. Gossip is talking about somebody when we're not willing to get involved in their lives. Guys, as the church, we should be willing to get involved in people's lives, to get dirty, to build relationships. We should care for others. Verse 4 says this, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. It might be cleaner to not have animals. It might be cleaner to stay out of people's lives. I get it. Relationships are dirty. Relationships are messy. But relationships are also wonderful. We have to be involved with people's lives if we're ever going to make a difference in their lives. That's what discipleship is. Jesus did not tell us to make converts and then never see somebody again. No, He told us to build relationships and to put yourself in opportunities to do so. Trust me, God will give them to you. I just got done coaching a little league season. And God put right there a man that got to be my assistant coach. And it was an opportunity to share with him about Jesus. To build relationships. To invite him into my life and me into his. Are you looking for those opportunities in your life? And we cannot be afraid of the mess if we're ever going to make a difference in this world, if we're going to find a harvest of believers, in order to reach people, we have to be honest. And part of being honest is lining up our actions with who we profess to be. Verse 5, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. When we hold on to lies, We have to keep remembering that lie. We have to keep telling that lie. We have to keep living out that lie. We have to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into that lie. And then there's no purity. And there's no peace. And so that's number two. We want to be peaceable. Proverbs 14.6 A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. A scoffer is a a person who makes fun of or, or mocks somebody for their values. It's somebody who chooses to disbelieve in God. Often they choose conflict because they themselves are conflicted. But us as a church, where we miss it is the, the way we treat them. You see, we often treat them as the enemy. We play their game and try to defend a God that does not need defended. Our actions. How we handle the conflict with with love and respect is the greatest opportunity to be like Jesus. A wise person recognizes that a person who is denying God or outright mocking God is somebody who does not have a real understanding of what is going on in the world around them. It could also be somebody who chooses to not believe because they do not want to be convicted and give up their own sinful desires. An atheist author by the name of Aldous Huxley wrote this in his book, Ends and Means. He said, I had a motive for not wanting the world to have meaning and consequently assumed that it had none. 
and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reason for this assumption. Atheists object to morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. The supporters of this system claim that it embodied the meaning. The Christian meaning they insisted of the world. But there was one simple method of confuting these people and justifying ourselves in our erotic revolts. We would deny that the world had any meaning whatsoever. I can tell you, when I look out at this world, it has meaning. And it has meaning because of who Jesus is. And instead of going on defense against these people, why not try and show them this peace and this love that only comes from Jesus? They are chasing fulfillment. They are chasing peace. And it is fleeting. And only Jesus is completing. But in that, we also have to know when it's time to move on. You see, we can only spend so much time with one person. And God, He wants us to reach those who are willing to be reached. Wisdom is recognizing who wants Jesus. It says this in verse 7, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Have you ever just beat your head against a post wondering why somebody just does not get it? Why do they not understand this world that's around us? Why do they not understand who Jesus is? The truth is, the world will never get it unless the Holy Spirit is working in that person's life. But we have no idea who the Holy Spirit is working in unless we test the waters. Now, I've had an opportunity to lead quite a few people to Jesus Christ in my life. But for every one person that I get to, to share the Gospel with, there's five people that completely deny it. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, when we put aside fear and put ourselves out there, it gives us this opportunity to discern God's will. And I only find peace when I try. I only find peace when I listen to the Holy Spirit. And I've gotten to the point where I find peace in their denial, but not in my ignoring. Verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern His ways, but the folly of the fools is deceiving. Not everybody is going to understand who Jesus is. And when they don't even want to try, it is foolish. I talk to people all the time that would rather live in ignorance than search out truth. Would you rather feel good now but have a doctor tell you that you have cancer so that you can be healed? Or would you rather ignore the fact that you need a doctor until it's too late? One is foolish and the other is wise. One seems harsh at the time, but gentle in the end. The other seems gentle at first, but is actually harsh in the end. So that's number three. We want to be gentle. And being gentle is never just telling people what they want to hear, but it's always telling them what they need to know. The first is foolish, and the latter is wise. Now there's times that we need to be honest. There's times that we need to raise our voice. We might even need to yell, but we have to earn the right to do so by being gentle with the people that we're around. Just last week, I got after my baseball team because they weren't hustling. And I raised my voice, and these, these boys responded to it. Because, why? Because I was gentle with them. Because they knew I cared. Because I spent the time with them teaching them the game. Because I didn't just yell all the time. I used it to make a difference. 
And we have to understand that. That even though we're agitated, even though we're overstimulated, our first response is not to be quick-tempered, but to be slow to anger. We must go through everything in our head and then act on the situation. It says this in verse 17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devises his, his hated. And so next week, we're really going to dive into anger. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I really want to move on to this next one. This one that I think is so important. Number four, we want to be open to reason. Verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. This word simple here is also a word in the Hebrew for fool. And in the Hebrew, there's actually five words for fool. And our English translations don't do it justice with the context of it. One of them is the simple person. It's a person who is easily led astray. Somebody who does not think on their own. Somebody that does not take the time to discover the truth in this world. You might say, wouldn't that be ignoring the truth? Not believing everything? Maybe, but, but when we believe everything, are we really believing anything? You see, God has given us the ability to discover truth. But we have to be willing to search it out with, with reason. And when we use our mind in this common sense, it develops wisdom in our life. And wisdom is not just intelligence. Wisdom is using our experience and our intelligence to produce our actions. Verse 18 The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. When it comes to absolute truth, I truly believe trusting in God's mercy is the wisest decision we can ever make. And so that's number five. We want to be full of God's mercy. Every one of us knows that we are sinners. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that this world absolutely needs a Savior. It is broken. And we all know that there's only two outcomes. We either accept God's mercy or we deny it. And so that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Have your sins been paid for by Christ on the cross in His resurrection? Or are you going to pay for them for all eternity in hell? Verse 19 says, The evil bow down before the good, the wicked at the gates of the righteous. If you were in the Bible days, the city gate is where the trials took place. Where those that had committed crimes, they went. But I can tell you the ultimate crime is to, is to not accept the judge's mercy. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still sinners, God showed His mercy and bestowed His great generosity on us. Do we accept it? And does it flow out of us to others? Or do we hate our neighbor? Do we hate those around us? Verse 21, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. How could we not repay his generosity to others? Wisdom is greater than what makes sense in this world. Wisdom is doing what makes sense in God's world. And we could go on and on, but if we believe in God's mercy, it should produce something in us. And that's number six. We want to produce good fruits. What good is wisdom? 
What good is wisdom if it doesn't produce action in us? Wisdom is knowledge and and understanding on display. And what greater foolishness is there to know someone is perishing and yet do nothing about it? If you have the wisdom and understanding that we find in this Bible, then it is foolish to not use it. Our entire life is built on it. Our relationships depend on it. Verse 23 says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. If we are not producing for God, we are poor. Why do we not care about others? And I know we say we do, but does our life, does our action, does the things that we do, does it display that we care for those? That we care for our neighbor? You see, God calls us to be impartial. He calls us to be sincere. And so how should we see people? Number seven says we want to be impartial. We must see every person is either a child of God or a future child of God. And the sin that they are living in does not change my desire to share Jesus with them. And this may be my personality. Okay, it, it is my personality. But, but I love seeing people that nobody would think would ever be reached coming to Jesus. I absolutely love it. I love discussing with people that if they give their life to Jesus, there is no other explanation than the God that created everything is just showing off. And He does it often. You see, because my God is a big God. My God can save the black and the white, the male and the female, the straight and the gay, the manliest dude and the most feminine, the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Jew, the atheist, the Pharisee, the tax collector, the prostitute, the moralist, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, and even us middle-aged who think we know everything. And sometimes I think that's the most difficult. My God can save anyone. So who am I to decide who gets to hear the gospel? And what I love about my God is He doesn't expect us to change before He saves us, but He doesn't leave us in our sin. Not at all. He loves us through it. Proverbs 14.28 In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without a people, a prince is ruined. So I ask us, do we love all people? Do we love them enough to bring sincerity and truth? God's glory is shouted in the multitude of different people who love Him. Christianity is the only religion that is not prominently defined to a certain region. It's in the Americas, Africa, Asia, Australia. Maybe not so much Europe, but we're working on it. Might be a little foolish over there. But even God saves the foolish. He saved you and He saved me but it has to be sincere. And so number eight, we want to be sincere. And so as we close, we need to understand that that wisdom starts with God. and, And God, He's the one that transforms us. And so I ask us today to please seek out a genuine heart. A heart that is sincere. A heart that loves God. A heart that loves others. It says this in verse 30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A tranquil heart is is calm. 
It's peaceful. And, and only a heart focused on God can find this tranquility. Only a heart focused on Jesus can be genuine. Envy is discontent. Envy is resentful. Envy is comforting something else. But sincerity is rooted in Jesus. And so we can be a fool or we can be wise. But only if Jesus is working in us. And so I want you to spend this week evaluating your life. Are you a fool or are you wise? Is Jesus making you pure? Does Jesus bring you peace? Has He changed your heart, one of anger to one that is a, a gentle heart? Are you open to learn? Are you open to reason? Do you trust in God's mercy? Does it, does it drive action in your life? Are you impartial? Are you sincere? Because this is the wisdom that comes from above. Let's pray. Father God, we love You. We thank You that You have given us this wisdom that comes through Your Son. And we pray that we would hold on to that wisdom. That we would savor it. That we would have a passion for it. That we would seek it out. We pray that we would use Your Word and that Your Word would transform us and, and from this foolish person into a wise person. And with that wisdom, we would seek out others. And that we would share this beauty that is your gospel with anyone who's willing to listen. And that it would make a difference in our life and make a difference in others' lives. And that we could see your beauty in everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.